before I started um, looking at what we're going to look at today was simply the fact that um, we just must find the place to do the things that we hear in church. Because, um, look, let me just say that today I'm a woolly. I can tell you that there's something about to happen. But you see, the, the problem with us is, um, I don't know, we are just bone lazy, that's all. Most people don't do the things that they hear in church. Some people there are who have bought the prayer of Jabez who haven't read it, but they have the book. But they haven't read it. And we are so busy. Anyway, Sha, let us turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Today I'm going to talk very briefly on the song of Moses. Shall we rise to our feet as we read the word of God? It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My loss shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast lest for the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of them. A distribution in Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over. O Lord, till thy people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you and bless you and exalt you. 
It's your word we're about to spend some time with, Lord. And we know that you and your word are inseparable. Lord, even as we spend time with your word, open the book of remembrance for us today. Let all our names here today be written in that book, Lord. Mighty God in heaven, we pray that you'll open the eyes of our understanding. But above all, we ask that you'll grant us enablement, Lord, so that we would be doers of the words which are here today. Honor and glory be unto thee. And Lord, confirm the word that we shall hear today in the lives of each one of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated for a few minutes and we'll be out of here. Um, we're going to talk about the song of Moses. What I'm going to try and show us is last Sunday we talked about, we looked at Psalm 46 and we said Psalm 46 was a song of confidence. So we want to look yet at another song today for the simple reason that the children of Israel, or as they call them today, the Jews, we say, have an uncanny understanding of God. And um, as we find out some of the things that they know about God, we will share those things so that we ourselves, and, and the interesting thing about all of this is that what is required of us is so minimal. God doesn't really want too much doesn't want too much. As we look at this um, song today, you'll find out some things about yourself that will tell you where, how much you know God and how much you don't um, know him. Now, before I, I explain what we're going to look at, I just want us to understand that so that we'll know where I'm coming from. Bolaji, can they just switch off this thing that is blowing? I don't want to catch a cold before I leave here today. Um, now, the book of Exodus you know, I, I said here last Sunday that for the Jews, each verse of scripture has a minimum of 70 levels of meaning. A minimum of 70 different levels of meanings. Now, if you look at the, the, the Bible as, as it were, we have to understand that it's written by the one who knows everything about language. So that what, what you are looking at is something from the best storyteller that there will ever be. And anybody who knows anything about stories and literary works will know that you can, you can look and see different things inside. Now, one of the things about the Old Testament in particular is that whilst it is fact and historical fact for that matter, God put it there to point us into the spiritual truth that we would finally come to terms with in the New Testament. So that you find that in the book of Exodus, Exodus is simply means a people moving out. So Exodus is about the children of Israel, historically, factually, leaving Egypt. That's one level of what Exodus is all about. But it points us to our own story. It's also the story of the Christian leaving the world. And it's also the story of the Christian that will be around when Jesus comes the second time. Because they gain, they will leave the world. So, in one, in one breath, it's really about, and that we know happened, about how the children of Israel left Egypt, the land of bondage, 
But we know that Egypt always represents the world when you read the Bible. So that means it's, it's also our story. It's a story, because I like to believe that all of us who are here are Christians. It's our story. How we left the world. How we used to go to nightclubs, but we don't anymore. How we used to womanize, but we don't anymore. But we know that's a major problem with Christians. Some even smoke and drink. I've even heard that some people say that the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't smoke. Show me where the Bible says you shouldn't smoke. Just go ahead and be smoking. <laughs> you will soon find out where it says so. So, in another level, it's about us leaving the world. And then it's also, because God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, it's also about the rapture, when the Christians will leave. So you find that the song of Moses in Exodus 15 is also recorded in Revelation 15. The same song of Moses. But this time, it is being sung by the Christians who overcome the tribulation and also moved from darkness into light. Now, just keeping that at the back of our minds, let's then just look briefly. I'm just going to look, do a brief um, thing about this because there's somewhere I'm going here. Now, this song that is recorded in Exodus 15 is a song of victory. But more than anything else, it is a song of gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. gratitude. Yes. The children of Israel were celebrating their deliverance. Deliverance from Egypt and from Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted to destroy them. And the Bible says the moment Pharaoh had been destroyed, go, go back a few verses into Exodus 14. The next thing you see in Exodus, it says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. If you understand that their deliverance that resulted in this song is equivalent to the salvation of our souls, is equivalent to our deliverance from the world. Then the question to ask yourselves, because remember, at the back of all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you that there are things we should do that we don't do, but that the Jews don't joke with. The question to ask yourself is, the day you were born again, I'm assuming that you are born again, did you sing a song of gratitude? Were you grateful to God for his deliverance. How grateful were you then? Because how grateful you were then will determine how grateful you will always be. And you will find that most of us, don't worry, including me, we thought we did God a favor the day we actually, you know, said to Jesus, okay, okay, I, I, I give you my life, you can have it. So there was, there was no song of gratitude. And you'll find that, check your life from the very day that you became a Christian up until now. You'll find that gratitude is not something that is easily expressed to God. You, you would do so 
if, if you were involved in a Kenyan plane crash, you know, and you saw allergies and unbelievers and some Christians, all of them calling God and Jesus, and you knew that death was about to come, but somehow you didn't die, ah, you would be grateful. But you will be surprised that your gratitude will not last long. But look at the children of Israel. There was a whole party. And the interesting thing about them, let me take the one I know about. There is a, a feast or a celebration of the children of Israel called Hanukkah. It's called the Feast of Lights. The Jews celebrated religiously. And Hanukkah was born out of the salvation that they got in the book of Esther. You know, in the book of Esther, Haman has succeeded in getting an order out that they should kill all Jews on a particular day. But with Mordecai and Esther, that was sorted out. And so the Jews from that day till today, and I cannot tell you I know the date of the book of Esther, but from that day till today, every year they thank God for their deliverance that we read about in the Old Testament. They don't joke with it. It's a big thing for the Jews. And of course, you know, they have so many holidays. You should take the, the, the Yom Kippur. I don't want to talk about Jews today, but okay, let me derail if I will. If you look at Yom Kippur, they lost a battle. The, the enemy knew that on the particular day, on the day of atonement, that the Jews would not go to war. Even if somebody wanted to kill them, they knew they wouldn't fight. So they came and they they defeated them on that day, but only on that day. The next day, they got back. So they are, they are a different breed of people. But the interesting thing is that they are there so that we ought to know that we ought to be a different breed of people. The problem of Christians today is that there's not much difference between us and the people outside. The good thing about the Jews, they don't believe in evangelism at all. They just want to remain as they are. There's a lot of difference. When you see a Jew, you know this is a, a Jew. Okay. So, you look at this song. I want you to keep at the back of your mind the fact that it was a song of victory, a song of gratitude. The children of Israel were saying to God, we are so grateful. And they didn't just say it Anyhow, I mean, they, if you read the whole of the stuff we've just read, they, they, they danced and sang about what God had done, what happened. And I say that, how grateful were you? How grateful are you today? Because if we didn't express much gratitude for the best that God had, you see, the best... The most expensive gift you get from God is the day of your salvation. Nothing beats that. Everything else that comes after pales into insignificance. And many of us value the things that come after more than the salvation. And the reason why is so simple. You see, you just did not show much gratitude on the day of salvation. Now, let's just spend some time and say, okay, what, what exactly 
is this whole song about? What exactly is the song itself about? What is Moses saying there in the song? Let's look at verse 1. Put at the back of your mind that the content of the song is primarily the events that happened. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. You can see that the context of the song is the deliverance from the Red Sea, attack of the enemy. But in that very first verse, you see that word, Lord, Lord, Lord. And we've said here before, we'll say it again, when you see L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, in capitals, it's the Jewish Hebrew name, national name for God. It means Jehovah. It means Yahweh. Or if you are really funky, it also means Jah. But that's the national name of God. And he says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. It was God that they were praising because he had done something for them. And he says that the Lord hath triumphed gloriously. In other words, they were praising the very way that God took the enemy apart. He says, the horse and his rider, representing Pharaoh and all his men, God had thrown into the sea. And for that act, verse 2, it says, the Lord is my strength and, and song. Remember, for those who were here last Sunday, you see them personalizing God again. And you see, you can never come to the place of personalizing God without any testimonies or experience. I mean, my friend there has testimony, has an experience of God moving, you know, so that it's easy for her to come to the place of saying, my Jesus. And Jesus will know that well. The person that's calling me knows me. The Lord is my strength and song. That Lord is Jehovah. Jehovah, Yahweh, is my strength and song. And it's become my salvation. Very interesting. The word salvation that you find there in the Hebrew is Yeshua. And Yeshua it means, it means Jesus. So they are saying, and, and it's so interesting because the Jews still don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But they are saying in this very verse of Scripture, the Jews who were singing were saying that Jehovah is it's translated into English as salvation, but in the original, it's Yeshua. So that you, you can now see the way God ties in the salvation of the children of Israel and your salvation. Because we believe that Yeshua, Jesus, is our Lord and Savior. But the interesting thing is, Notice the relationship that they have with God. 
and ask yourself that do you have any such relationship? Is he your personal God? Or is he just God? Because of the great deliverance that they had seen, they just said, this God is my God. And he goes on to say, and I, as a result of him being my God, I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. And we know that Moses and the children of Israel eventually prepared God a dwelling place, which is called the, the tabernacle of Moses. The relevance of that to each one of us is that if you, as a Christian, God opened your eyes to see the battle that was fought on your behalf and that is fought on your behalf on a daily basis, you too will say, this God is my God. So the problem we have is, unfortunately, because we do not see these things. But God has decided that he will deal with us on the basis of faith. So because we don't see these things, we, we don't take them very seriously. But we ought also to say that this God is also my God. Because in our case, in the case of the children of Israel, God said, okay, build me a tabernacle. In our case, we have a responsibility. God has not said, build me a tabernacle. He says, you are my temple. So we have a responsibility as Christians to make sure that we prepare his temple. First Corinthians 3.15 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Because, notice, the, the, all of this is not because God said to Moses, come, go and do something for me in Israel. All of this is because they saw God move on their behalf. And out of their gratitude to God, they said, ah, we must build him somewhere to stay. This God is worth keeping around us. And I'm saying that to each one of us, not because of what God has done now, but primarily because of what he had done. Because as far as God is concerned, nothing will ever touch or outweigh salvation. So we ought to know that we have a responsibility to make sure that the temple that God wants is ready and is clean for him. Because that place, you see, the, the reason why God said they should build the tabernacle, each time Moses went to Pharaoh, he made two statements. One, let my people go. Two, that they may serve me. Yeah. Continuously, if you read it, just let my people go, that they may serve me. So the salvation of the children of Israel was so that they would do what? Serve. That's all. Serve there means worship. So your salvation is not so that you will become a treasurer. 
That's not the reason why God saved you. It's not so that you become a treasurer. Many of us are prepared to argue with God. He says, I don't want you to be my treasurer. He says, I will, I will be your treasurer. The reason why we were saved, the reason why salvation was put at your disposal is so that you may serve him. That's all. And interestingly, notice, if you agree to serve him, he provides all that is necessary to serve him. The reason why the children of Israel were able to take as much gold as they wanted from Egypt was because they had, they, God knew that they needed that gold to make what? His dwelling place. And when it came to the time to give, they gave so much that the Moses had to say to them, okay, now it's enough. Who provided the gold? God did. So if we agree to serve him, he will give us the means with which to serve him. Because he's the one who says, none shall come into my presence empty. So it's not even scriptural. You know, sometimes we pray and say, and those who don't have, okay, somebody give them something. The Bible doesn't make provision for anybody to come to God and not to have anything to give God. It's not, it's not, it's not in the Bible. It's, we use our sense and solve the problem. In other words, the person who is in church who says, I don't have, is a liar. Pure and simple. You must have something that you can give. The widow gave my two mites. It's because those are the very little, little things. I'm going to be talking about a few things in the next few weeks that just put you in a different place, totally different from where the children of Israel can stand on. It's because the relationship we have with God is not the way we see it. It's not just, just come and go do things as you want. It's a covenant relationship. So we are not as free as we think we are. Because the moment you come to Christ, you enter into a covenant with God. And this time the covenant is sealed with the blood of Jesus, not with the blood of bulls. So you and I have a responsibility to make sure that there's a, a temple fit for God to dwell in. And look at what Jesus did to the temple. He went there, and what did he find in the temple? People making money. And he overturned the tables. He said, this place is supposed to be a house of prayer. He said, you've turned into a hiding place for business people, for treasurers. He says, for thieves. And he was referring to you and I. He wasn't really referring to that structure. Because we, each, each person here is a temple of, of God. And if we open your brains now, all that is in there is naira and copper, dollar, pounds, sterling. That's all. Those who don't have their brain is red hot. Thinking how they can get. Those who have their brain is extra hot. Thinking how they can get more. And the general I said he has asked God that he wants 10,000 millionaires in, in, in redeem. Ah! You see, he said 10,000. One million people are claiming 10,000. 
common sense will tell some people that there's no how they will be part of it. And you can tell from where you are. I'm not talking about how much money you have. It's the God you know. It's the God you know. You don't know him. You just think that he's just come and believe. And then you go and sit down home. Somebody will bring one million and put it in your house. You wait forever. So we've got to change our focus and our attitude. We've got to. Because if you only can, you'd be amazed at the things that will happen. I told somebody, I said, we've been hearing some fairly, fairly, fairly big testimonies right now. Yeah. But we haven't even seen anything yet. Because God is on a recruitment drive to do some awesome things. And so we are going to spend some time and just find out exactly what it is that we should be doing. Now, let me explain a little bit about what exactly takes place around us. Or let me say, what, what happened when you became born again? Go down to verse 8 for me. Verse 8 and 9. Don't worry, I'm looking at the time. Sorry, from verses 3. I'll read 3 to 9. It says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom like a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood up as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My loss shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. And just briefly, just this is a description of the enemy. In this time, it's Pharaoh and his armies going after the children of Israel. And it tells you in verse 9 their intention. Let's break down the intention. The enemy said, I will pursue I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. So he was going after them because he wanted to do what? He saw them as loot. He saw them as the spoils of war. He wanted to take that which they had with them, which rightfully belonged to them. So we see here, Pharaoh's desire was to take that which was in the hands of the children of Israel. Then he says, I will draw my sword. I will destroy them. So we see that Pharaoh wanted to kill and to destroy these people. So we find that Pharaoh's mission is exactly the same as we have in John 10.10 John, John 10 of Satan's mission. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we can tell that Pharaoh here, in one level is Pharaoh, and on another level he's what? He's Satan. His army, uh, the demons that work with Satan. So that without knowing it, because we are spirit beings, the enemy has as his sole 
aim to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. But you are alive and well. Because without knowing it, unknown things keep happening in the spirit realm over your life. For which, when you get home at the end of the day, no matter how many angels have fought on your behalf, you get into your room at the end of the day, you say, oh, thank you, Lord. What a day. Mm. And if you keep doing that, one day God will let you see what actually happens. But he doesn't want to let you see it because he wants you to walk by faith. Because in his word, he has explained to you what happens anyway. That's what we are reading. When the Jews sit down to eat Passover, for those who have never been to Israel, that's a pity, they have a meal, not like the one we have for Holy Communion. They have something that tastes like mud, which they eat. Then they will tell their children, say, this is the kind of mud that your grandfathers and great-great-great-grandfathers used to, used to make bricks when they were slaves in Egypt. The average Jew can never, it's impossible for a child to wake up and not know where he has come from. And you see, the reason why they have these things and they do them all the time is so that they might not forget. Because the memory of man is very short. But that's not only it. It is because it pleases God. That's why Jesus said, as I'm going on, this price that I've paid, I want you to do this thing that looks, that has replaced Passover in remembrance of me. You know, Holy Communion is not, for most of us, Holy Communion is the time to be healed. It's the time for miracles. It's the time for our lives to change. It's the time for everything else but the time to remember Jesus. And Jesus said the reason why he should do, perform Holy Communion is what? Is to remember him. That's all. And you see, and that's how we should change ourselves. Because it's so clear to me now. Because I do, I, when I do Holy Communion here, I tell you, I say, ah, this is the blood. Oh, blood is, we know what the blood is. So yeah, begin to pray for healing. Meanwhile, if we just did what he said, just remembered him, we'll be healed. That's the understanding the Jews have, which we do don't have. But they paid a long, a big price for it. You know, they suffered before they finally got to learn all of these things. But the Bible is there so we, can, we don't have to suffer that the way they suffered. So we can find out what they know and do what God wants us to do. That's all. So that on everybody's behalf, if God were to remove his protection for one second, you'll be dead. So there's something always happening on your behalf. The equivalent of Pharaoh and his armies are always chasing you. But God is always there doing something about it. But that's not even really it. The truth is why God would want each person that comes to Christ to really dance is because the price that was paid for salvation was very expensive. Very, very expensive. Ordinarily, if somebody walked in here today 
and just went to one of the women or men and just tore off all your clothes in the midst of everybody here. You, will you come to this church again? Because I keep saying, never look at the photograph or the paintings of Jesus on the cross. He was hung up naked. You know, they put one nice piece of cloth. If you look at the cloth, how is the cloth standing? You know, you go, go and look at those paintings again. Find out whether it's Holy Spirit that is holding the cloth. And you see, if you, if you take those things for granted, you can't even begin to touch any of the things that God has. You can't. And that's why the truth is, as we said, in a world of 6 billion people, 12 million people control the wealth and the resources of the world. 12 million Jews. They control 70% of the wealth of the world. Because they know something about God. They respect God. In fact, on an increasing basis, the most dangerous people around now are Pentecostals. Because even the other religion, they respect God. They respect God. We just don't fear God at all. Remember once I came in here and I said, I'm going to ask ushers to stop people from chewing gum in church. Because if you went to see the head of state, you would never chew gum. I didn't do it because as soon as I left, ah, both my wife and myself were attacked. Those, they went, some, some people complained to me, and then complained to my wife, so that my wife would complain to me at home. So I said, it's okay. You can chew gum until God reveals to you that the things you cannot do before a human being. Even as pastor, you know you can't come to my office, come and see me. Say, you say, yeah. uh, pastor, you know, um, I will just drive you out of my office. <laughs> Let me explain one little thing before we do something. You've got to react as if God is there. The Bible says in the morning he comes. Before you wake up, he comes and he's standing by your bed. I want you, when you wake up every morning now, Say, Lord, good morning. I know you are here because your word says you are here. I slept well. Thank you. Talk. Talk to him. Don't, you won't go mad. As you do so, he will become more real. He will. Then one day, as she says, Jesus will enter your room. And you know he's there. But if we just jump out, we are already through the door. Then you remember that, ah, Pastor Esco said, you know, the people, people are praying prayer of Jabez because of Pastor Esco. It's strange. Not because of God and because of what is in, because Pastor Esco says, buy the book. Ah, Pastor Esco doesn't say buy a book. Buy, buy a book. We never can tell when you can create problem over this book now. <laughs> strange people in church. And the good thing was when Pastor Gandhi saw me, he saw, that day he sat down, he said to me, he said, ah. he said, I'm the one that told you to buy this book. I said, yes. He said, I bought it, I never read it. He said, you will even fast me, I'm praying with it. He said, I better go and do something about it. Because he's the one that showed me the book. People can give a million testimonies about the prayer of Jabez. Those who will not read the book, will not read it. Those who will buy for somebody else to read, they will buy for somebody else to read. What does the book say at the end? How many people have read the book here? It's okay. Put your hands. It's okay. God will help all of us. 
I'm just trying to help you people know. I have seen where I'm going. I'm telling you the truth. I have seen something. And so that God won't say, ah, you saw, you left the people behind. That's why I'm doing the work I'm doing like this. But me, I know where I'm going. I have seen, you even told me, said that you have seen something. I said, yes, I have seen something. <laughs> so tomorrow you won't say that I didn't tell you. Think about the price that was paid. I know the life, what is so strange about life is that somehow in church, I'm going to find another way of doing that. The pastor keeps on going. If you're not sure, put up your hand. Be sure today. Today is a good day to come to Christ. You know, we are begging you. We are begging you. So, you beg a bit, some people put their hands. You beg more, a few more. You beg a bit more, some few more. So, when you finally do it, you get the impression that it has something to do with you. You've done God a favor. They were, they were begging me now. I beg you. And other pastors have decided that, well, let's do it another way. They use fear now. You know? The other day in camp, when Reverend Joe told all those who are not born again that from today, you will begin to lose money. Everybody gave their life. <laughs> but that's not salvation, no. That cannot be salvation. We ought not to beg you. What God expects is that you, you, you run for it, and then when you get it, you begin to dance and dance and never stop dancing and thanking him. But what happens? We are just begging people. If you are hearing a voice saying to you, don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass yourself, it's the devil that's talking. If you put up your hand and you stop talking, then one or two people will put up their hand. We've got to know this God. And one of the ways of knowing him, react to him the way he wants you to react to him. His word is there. It tells you what he wants you to do. You've got to just do those things. Anybody who wakes up in the morning and says, Morning, good morning, Lord. I know you are here. Your word says you visit me every morning. That's what your word says. I know you are here. Good morning. I slept well. I didn't sleep well. Thank you for your angels. I've taught you these ones before. Thank God all the time for the angels. Whether you see them or not, just know that they are there. That you slept, that the agents of wickedness didn't come near your house. Thank you, Lord. It's when you get out of the house. If you're a man who likes to fool around with women, as you have finished just telling God those things, you know, it will be hard, a bit. You might you still do what you want to do. But something will be telling you that, ah, you that God was, did you believe whether God was there? And if you do it every day over time, some of those bad habits will drop. You just find the ability to drop them. You just find the ability. Talk to God. When you are going to work in the morning, talk to him. Tell him, tell him, I know you are by my side. I know you are my car. Don't worry. Let people think you are crazy. Just, you find that over time, you suddenly find him in your car. You suddenly find him in the car. And he helps you anyway. He helps. So what I want us to do today, since many of us never said thank you for our salvation and never rejoiced and danced before God, 
fact, life is so interesting. Some people, they have a, a newborn baby. They say, boy, the kind of party they will throw. But you never throw any party for God that you are alive and well. And, and the biggest mistake, listen to me carefully, that church has made is we have reduced thanking God to giving him a check. Because we need to spend money. The only thing that God takes is you are, you are glorious. As they say, you are higher than the highest. <laughs> you are older than the oldest. <laughs> Those are the things he takes. But every church, you see, the past, pastors, we have become dangerous people. You turn the whole thing into, you want to be grateful to God for that deliverance, oh, come and do special thanksgiving. The special thanksgiving should mean special dancing for God. Instead, just call everybody, rejoice with those who are rejoicing, so that you never suffer to the same fate. Yeah. <laughs> what God wants, listen to me, what God wants is people who will dance before him, people who will lift up their voice and just thank him, People who sing to him all the time. That's what he wants. What the church wants is tithes and offering. And God has provided well for the church. Oh. He said, pay tithes, it's okay. But we've turned even thanksgiving you know, to thank God with your mouth to the business of checks. So let's lift up our voices this evening and just thank God for our salvation. Just thank him. Tell him that. Look at the the song of Moses and just use that and just thank him today. Just thank him. Thank him. Now, as you are thanking him, maybe there's somebody here today. This is your first time in here or you have been coming to church but you have never ever given your life to Christ. Today is a good day. A very good day to do so. So if you want to say to Jesus I want salvation I want to be saved myself wherever you are just put up your hand quickly very quickly because God bless you anybody else just put up your hand quickly they put a card in your hand then you put on your hand God bless you there's a hand there where is the usher okay no 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 only those who want to put up their hand for Jesus should put up their hands the rest put down your hands is there somebody else who wants to say to Jesus, I'm here, Lord. Thank you for the salvation of my soul. Just put up your hand quickly. I will put a card in your hand. But rest of us, let's just thank him. Let's just thank him today. God bless you. Is there anybody else? This Jesus that was beaten, that was put on the cross, God bless you anybody else just put up your hand just put up your hand for jesus today once you put a card in your hand and you put that in your hand Thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. 
oh thank you lord thank you lord because you have told us almighty god that the enemy's task is to steal to kill to destroy but every day you fight battles on our behalf because you are the man of war oh we declare and say today that oh lord you are the man of war thank you for the battles you fight on our behalf oh lord you are he who has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your marvelous light ah we say thank you lord we thank you we thank you we thank you for your goodness for your mercy for your grace thank you lord that has pleased you lord that our names be written in the book of life oh lord we thank you lord we thank you lord we thank you lord we thank you lord we bless you exalt you jesus oh we thank you you who hung on the tree you bled you died so that we 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 have life and life eternal we say thank you today oh thank you lord indeed we say there's no one like unto you lord only you lord are glorious in your holiness only you are fearful in your praises Oh, we thank you, we bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you. Oh, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you, Lord. Oh, we exalt you, Lord. Ah, Lord, we can never thank you enough. Oh, you alone, oh, Lord, are he who has spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them, Lord. Even so, today, you sit above all principality, all power, and you are ahead. We are your body, Lord. Ah, we say, blessed be your name, Lord. Oh, glory and honor be unto you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, Lord. We worship
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we exalt you and bless you. Help us, Almighty God, to truly, truly, from the depths of our being, exalt you and bless you. For only you, Lord, are God. It is written, Lord, that you formed man from the dust of the earth. You made us from the ground, Lord. And yet you made us in your image and likeness. Jesus, we thank you and bless you. For leaving your throne in heaven, you became the very man of the very man and died on our behalf so that we may have life and have eternal life. We thank you and bless you. Help us never to forget, Lord. Help us to remember every day Lord, we thank you for the salvation of our souls. What can a man give your word says, even so for his soul? Lord, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we can never thank you enough. Lord, grant each one of us a song in our hearts. Even as we depart from here, let us sing, oh Lord, a song of thanks, a song of gratitude unto you, Lord. Lord, we bless and exalt you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Sit down for a few minutes. We're going to give our offering to God. I'll just share a recent experience. And I know that it will bless one or two people. I was going to give an offering. You know, we, we had so much offerings to give in camp. And um, let me have an envelope. And so... I put my hand in my pocket, I counted the money I was going to give and um, somehow I was reminded that that afternoon 
somebody had to come to my house and come to just make some minor amendments. And I gave two of them came. I gave one 400 naira. I gave the other one 200 naira. They didn't even want to take the money, you know, because they didn't want to take money from a pastor. But I said you should have the money all the same. And then later I gave my driver money to go and eat. I'm just giving out money. But the funny part of it was that when it was offering, I started counting the money to give offering. And you know, the, the, the real life, if you think about your life, for some of us who have some money, it's so easy to give a friend money or somebody who doesn't have. You know, you, you sometimes don't even think. You know. I remember somebody brought some books. I'm telling you so I can help you. And um, somebody said, ah, pastor, so buy. So I said, okay, how much? He said, 500 naira for one. So I want to take the money. Somebody just rushed quickly. I said, no, no, I shouldn't pay. He bought several. 500 for one. So this guy just spent a couple of thousands. But when he came to offering, he gave 1,000. Because I, I started watching since I had known how we all behave. So I said, I, mean, I watch people now and they give offering. You know, when it's God, it means you don't know if it's God. That's the truth. You know, you don't. Because many, the dash that you give sometimes a driver, you don't put that amount of money. If you know you're going to give about three or four. I watch what happens Sundays. We have two services. Those of us who stay for two services. Many people, it's changed the gift for the second service. The attitude is, I already give my offering, Joe. Okay, just put something there. It's all part of not knowing who God is, you know. It's because all of that is still worshipping him. And the truth is, this, this, uh, with what God wants to do, we are all right now sitting for an examination. And we all must pass. And really, and truly, God is going to really judge a lot of people by how much they spend time with him. Now, for those of us who sometimes you've prayed, let me explain something here. You've prayed for something, you've prayed, prayed, prayed. No answer. You know why? You never even wait for the answer. If you pray, and you ask God, should I go left or right? And I just found out that the people that God will speak to as they ask, and he says left, right, are those people that he knows that normally when they ask, they have learned how to lie down before him for one hour, just waiting to hear whether he will say anything. So once he knows that you know that you ought to just you know, be calm and hear, then he will, he might not put you through the hearing process. That's why many times you never really hear. Because the world is too much with us. That's William Swartworth. And it's true. We are too busy. But this is a time now that you need to hear clearly. And all it takes, there's no, there's no juju there. Determine that you're going to hear, you will hear. All, the things, all that God wants to do is, if you are prepared to pay the price, 
you can wait for him to speak. Yeah, he will speak. He will, but if you can't wait, eh? Go. You know he's God. So let's bring out a good offering. And let's determine. Always be careful. Never make the mistake. Money that um, you can just give out. That's not the kind of money you should give God. It's better not to give out to people than to and give God instead. You know. Because some of us, we can, all we need to hear is that somebody has a problem. And easily. Easily. You just help the person. Just give the person 5,000. It doesn't does it's nothing. Then what is the problem with this? That's just Satan. It's Pharaoh and his armies. So let's just put our hands in our pockets and bring out our offerings and pray over our offerings. And then we'll be out of here. Thank you and bless you. Thank you and bless you, Lord. We thank you and bless you. Show us your ways, Lord. And grant us the grace to walk therein. Lord, we lift up our offerings unto you. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will look down upon our offerings today. And smile, Almighty God. Bless our offerings, Lord. Bless as you alone can. Send your fire from heaven and consume these offerings, Lord. And those who lift up their thighs unto you, Lord, receive their thighs, O Lord. Rebuke the devourer on their behalf. Let there be no abortions in their lives. Let all that they do prosper. Open the window of heaven. Pour them down that life-transforming blessing. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's just we'll rise and we'll worship as we give our offering. Ah uh... 
God in heaven, bless as you alone can. Lord, we thank you and bless you. That we who have nothing, Lord, for all we have, we have received from you. You are he who gives us the power to get well. Lord, all we have, we have from you. And it has pleased you, Lord, that you have decided that we should bring from that which we have. you have given unto us, even so into your honor and worship. We thank you and bless you. Receive our offerings, Lord. And surprise us, Almighty God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please sit for a few.